This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org. Ulysses, Chapter 5. By lorries along Sir John Rogerson's Quay, Mr. Bloom walked soberly, past Windmill Lane, Leesk's The Linseed Crusher, the Postal Telegraph Office. Could have given that address, too, and passed the sailor's home. He turned from the morning noises of the quayside, and walked through Lime Street. By Brady's cottages a boy for the skins lolled, his bucket of offal linked, smoking a chewed fag-butt. A smaller girl with scars of eczema on her forehead eyed him, listlessly holding her battered cask-hoop. Tell him if he smokes he won't grow. Oh, let him. His life isn't such a bed of roses. Waiting outside pubs to bring Da home. Come home to Ma, Da. Slack hour. Won't be many there. He crossed Townsend Street, past the frowning face of Bethel. L, yes. House of Aleph Beth. And past Nichols the Undertaker. At eleven it is. Time enough. Dare say Corny Kelleher bagged the job for O'Neill's, singing with his eyes shut. Corny. Met her once in the park, in the dark. What a lark. Police tout. Her name and address she then told, with my Turalum Turalum te. Oh, surely he bagged it. Bury him cheap in a whatchamacallit. With my Turalum 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 Turalum. In Westland Row, he halted before the windows of the Belfast and Oriental Tea Company, and read the legends of lead-papered packets, choice-blend, finest-quality family tea. Rather warm tea. Must get some from Tom Kernan. Couldn't ask him at a funeral, though. While his eyes still read blandly, he took off his hat quietly, inhaling his hair-oil, and sent his right hand with slow grace over his brow and hair. Very warm morning. Under their dropped lids, his eyes found the tiny bow of the leather headband inside his high-grade hat. Just there. His right hand came down into the bowl of his hat. His fingers found quickly a card behind the headband and transferred it to his waistcoat pocket. So warm. His right hand once more slowly went over his brow and hair. Then he put on his hat again, relieved, and read again. Choice blend, made of the finest Ceylon brands, the Far East. Lovely spot it must be, the garden of the world, big lazy leaves to float about on, cactuses, flowering meads, snaky lianas, they call them. Wonder is it like that. Those Singalese lobbing about in the sun in dolce far niente, not doing a hand's turn all day, sleep six months out of twelve, too hot to quarrel. Influence of the climate, lethargy, flowers of idleness. The air feeds most, as oats, hothouse in botanic gardens, 
sensitive plants, water lilies, petals too tired to, sleeping sickness in the air, walk on rose leaves, imagine trying to eat tripe and cow heel. Where was the chap I saw in that picture somewhere? Ah, yes, in the Dead Sea, floating on his back, reading a book with a parasol open. Couldn't sink if you tried, so thick with salt. Because the weight of the water... Uh, no, the weight of the body in the water is equal to the weight of the... what? Or is it the volume is equal to the weight? It's a law, something like that. Vance in high school, cracking his finger joints, teaching. The college curriculum. Cracking curriculum. What is weight really when you say the weight? Thirty-two feet per second per second. Law of falling bodies per second per second. They all fall to the ground. The earth. It's the force of gravity of the earth is the weight. He turned away and sauntered across the road. How did she walk with her sausages? Like that something. As he walked, he took the folded freeman from his side pocket, unfolded it, rolled it lengthwise in a baton, and tapped it at each sauntering step against his trouser leg. Careless air. Just drop in to see. Per second, per second. Per second for every second it means. From the curbside he darted a keen glance through the door of the post office. Too late, box. Post here. No one. In. He handed the card through the brass grill. Are there any letters for me? he asked. While the postmistress searched a pigeonhole he gazed at the recruiting poster with soldiers of all arms on parade, and held the tip of his baton against his nostrils, smelling fresh-printed rag-paper. No answer, probably. Went too far last time. The postmistress handed him back through the grill his card with a letter. He thanked her and glanced rapidly at the typed envelope. Henry Flower, Esquire, care of P.O. Box, Westland Row, City. Answered anyhow. He slipped card and letter into his side pocket, reviewing again the soldiers on parade. Where's old Tweedy's regiment? Cast-off soldier. There, bearskin cap and hackle-plume. No, he's a grenadier. Pointed cuffs. There he is, Royal Dublin Fusiliers, redcoats. Too showy. That must be why the women go after them. Uniform. Easier to enlist and drill. Maud Gaughan's letter about taking them off O'Connell Street at night. Disgrace to our Irish capital. Griffith's paper is on the same tack now, an army rotten with venereal disease, overseas or half-seas over empire. Half-baked they look, hypnotized like eyes front, mark time, table, able, bed, id. The king's own. Never see him dress up as a fireman or a bobby. A mason? Yes. He strolled out of the post office and turned to the right. Talk, as if that would mend matters. His hand went into his pocket, and a forefinger felt its way under the flap of the envelope, 
ripping it open in jerks. Women will pay a lot of heed, I don't think. His fingers drew forth the letter, the letter, and crumpled the envelope in his pocket. Something pinned on, photo, perhaps. Hair? No. McCoy. Get rid of him quickly. Take me out of my way. Hate company when you... Hello, Bloom. Where are you off to? Hello, McCoy. Nowhere in particular. How's the body? Fine. How are you? I'll just keep him alive, McCoy said. His eyes on the black tie and clothes. He asked with low respect. Is there any... No trouble, I hope. I, I see you're... Oh, no, Mr. Bloom said. Poor Dignam, you know. The funeral is today. To be sure, poor fellow, so it is. What time? A photo it isn't. A badge, maybe. Eh, uh, eleven, Mr. Bloom answered. I must try to get out there, McCoy said. Eleven, is it? I only heard it last night. Who is telling me? Uh, Hollahan, you know Hoppy. I know. Mr. Bloom gazed across the road at the outsider drawn up before the door of the Grosvenor. The porter hoisted the valise up on the well. She stood still, waiting, while the man, husband, brother, like her, searched his pockets for change. Stylish kind of coat, with that roll collar, warm for a day like this, looks like blanket cloth. Careless stand of her with her hands in those patch pockets, like that haughty creature at the polo match. Women all for caste, till you touch the spot. Handsome is and handsome does, reserved about to yield. The honorable Mrs. and Brutus is an honorable man. Possess her once, take the starch out of her. I was with Bob Doran. He's on one of his periodical bends, and what do you call him? A bantam Lyons, uh, just down there in Conway's we were. Doran Lyons in Conway's. She raised a gloved hand to her hair. In came Hoppy. Having a wet. Drawing back his head and gazing far from beneath his veiled eyelids, he saw the bright fawn skin shine in the glare, the braided drums. Clearly I can see today. Moisture about gives long sight, perhaps. Talking of one thing or another. Lady's hand. Which side will she get up? And he said, Sad thing about our poor friend Paddy. What Paddy, I said. Poor little Paddy Dignam, he said. Off to the country. Broadstone, probably. High brown boots with laces dangling. Well-turned foot. What is he foostering over that change for? Sees me looking. Eye out for other fellows, always. Good fallback. Two strings to her bow. Why, I said. What's wrong with him, I said. Proud. Rich. Silk stockings. Yes, Mr. Bloom said. He moved a little to the side of McCoy's talking head getting up in a minute. What's wrong with him, he said. He's dead, he said, and faith he filled up. Is it Paddy Dignam, I said. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. 
I was with him no later than Friday last, or Thursday was it, in the arch. Yes, he said, he's gone. He died on Monday, poor fellow. Watch, watch. Silk, flash, rich stockings, white watch. A heavy tram-car honking its gong slewed between. Lost it. Curse your noisy pug-nose. Feels locked out of it. Paradise and the Perry. Always happening like that. The very moment. Girl in Eustace Street, halfway Monday. Was it settling her garter? Her friend covering the display of it. Esprit de corps. Well, what are you gaping at? Yes, yes, Mr. Bloom said after a dull sigh. Another gone. One of the best, McCoy said. The tram passed. They drove off towards the loop-line bridge, her rich gloved hand on the steel grip. Flicker, flicker, the lace flare of her hat in the sun. Flicker, flick. Wife well, I suppose, McCoy's changed voice said. Oh, uh, yes, Mr. Bloom said. Tip-top, thanks. He unrolled the newspaper baton idly and read idly. What is home without plum trees potted meat? Incomplete, with it an abode of bliss. My missus has got an engagement. At least it's not settled yet. Valise tack again. By the way, no harm. I'm off that, thanks. Mr. Bloom turned his large lidded eyes with unhasty friendliness. My wife, too, he said. She's going to sing at a swagger affair in the Ulster Hall, Belfast, on the 25th. That's so, McCoy said. Glad to hear that, old man. Who's getting it up? Mrs. Marion Bloom, not up yet. Queen was in her bedroom eating bread and... No book. Blackened court cards laid along her thigh by sevens. Dark lady and fair man. Letter. Cat, furry, black ball. Torn strip of envelope. Love's old sweet song comes love's old. It's a kind of tour, don't you see? Mr. Bloom said thoughtfully. Sweet song. There's a committee formed, part shares and part profits. McCoy nodded, picking at his mustache double. Oh, well, he said, that's good news. He moved to go. Well, glad to see you're looking fit, he said. Meet you knocking around. Yes, Mr. Bloom said. Tell you what, McCoy said. You might put down my name at the funeral, will you? I'd like to go, but I mightn't be able, you see. There's a drowning case at Sandy Cove may turn up, and then the coroner and myself would have to go down if the body is found. You just shove in my name if I'm not there, will you? I'll do that, Mr. Bloom said, moving to get off. That'll be all right. Right, McCoy said brightly. Thanks, old man. I'd go if I possibly could. Well, till all. Just C.P. McCoy will do. That will be done, Mr. Bloom answered firmly. Didn't catch me napping that wheeze, the quick touch, soft mark. I'd like my job. Valise I have a particularly fancy for leather... Capped corners, riveted edges, double-action lever lock. Bob Cowley lent him his for the Wicklow Regatta concert last year and never heard tidings of it from that good day till this.
Mr. Bloom, strolling towards Brunswick Street, smiled. My missus has just gotten. Reedy, freckled soprano. Cheese-pairing nose. Nice enough in its way, for a little ballad. No guts in it. You and me, don't you know, in the same boat. Soft soaping. Give you the needle, that would. Can't he hear the difference? Think he's that way inclined a bit. Against my grain, somehow. Thought that Belfast would fetch him. I hope that smallpox up there doesn't get worse. Suppose she wouldn't let herself be vaccinated again. Your wife and my wife. Wonder, is he pimping after me? Mr. Bloom stood at the corner, his eyes wandering over the multicolored hoardings. Cantrell and Cochrane's ginger ale, aromatic, Cleary's summer sale. No, he's going on straight. Hello, Leah tonight. Mrs. Bandman Palmer, like to see her again in that. Hamlet she played last night, male impersonator. Perhaps he was a woman. Why Ophelia committed suicide. Poor Papa. How he used to talk of Kate Bateman in that. Outside the Adelphi in London. Waited all the afternoon to get in. Year before I was born, that was. Sixty-five. And Ristori in Vienna. What is this the right name is? By Mosenthal it is. Rachel, is it? No. The scene he was always talking about where the old blind Abraham recognizes the voice and puts his fingers on the face. Nathan's voice. His son's voice. I hear the voice of Nathan who left his father to die of grief and misery in my arms, who left the house of his father and left the God of his father. Every word is so deeply appalled. Poor Papa, poor man. I'm glad I didn't go into the room to look at his face that day. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Phew. Well, perhaps it was best for him. Mr. Bloom went round the corner and passed the drooping nags of the hazard. No use thinking of it any more. Nosebag time. Wish I hadn't met that McCoy fellow. He came nearer and heard a crunching of gilded oats the gently chomping teeth. Their full buck eyes regarded him as he went by, amid the sweet oaten reek of horse-piss. Their El Dorado. Poor Jugginses. Damn all they know or care about anything with their long noses stuck in their nose-bags. Too full for words. Still they get their feet all right and their doss. Gelded, too. A stump of black gutta-percha wagging limp between their haunches. Might be happy all the same that way. Good poor brutes they look. Still their neigh can be very irritating. He drew the letter from his pocket and folded it into the newspaper he carried. Might just walk into her here. The lane is safer. He passed the cabman's shelter. Curious, the life of drifting cabbies. All weathers, all places, time are set down. No will of their own. Voglio e non. Like to give them an odd cigarette. Sociable. 
shout a few flying syllables as they pass. He hummed. La si derem la mano. La 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 la. He turned into Cumberland Street, going on some paces, halted in the lee of the station wall. No one. Mead's timberyard, piled bulks, ruins, and tenements. With careful tread he passed over a hopscotch court with its forgotten picky stone. Not a sinner. Near the timberyard a squatted child at marbles alone, shooting the taw with a cunny-thumb. A wise tabby, a blinking sphinx, watched from her warm sill. Pity to disturb them. Mohammed cut a piece out of his mantle not to wake her. Open it. And once I played marbles when I went to that old dame's school. She liked Minonette, Mrs. Ellis's, and Mr. He opened the letter within the newspaper. A flower, I think it's a a yellow flower with flattened petals. Not annoyed, then. What does she say? Dear Henry, I got your last letter to me, and thank you very much for it. I'm sorry you did not like my last letter. Why did you enclose the stamps? I'm awfully angry with you. I do wish I could punish you for that. I called you naughty boy because I do not like that other word. Please tell me, what is the real meaning of that word? Are you not happy in your home, you poor little naughty boy? I do wish I could do something for you. Please tell me what you think of poor me. I often think of the beautiful name you have. Dear Henry, when will we meet? I think of you so often you have no idea. I have never felt myself so much drawn to a man as you. I feel so bad about it. Please write me a long letter and tell me more. Remember, if you do not, I will punish you. So now you know what I will do to you, you naughty boy, if you do not write. Oh, how I long to meet you. Henry, dear, do not deny my request before my patience are exhausted. Then I will tell you all. Goodbye now, naughty darling. I have such a bad headache day, and write by return to your longing Martha. P.S. Do tell me what kind of perfume does your wife use. I want to know. He tore the flower gravely from its pinhole, smelt its almost no smell, and placed it in his heart pocket. Language of flowers. They like it because no one can hear, or a poison bouquet to strike him down. Then walking slowly forward, he read the letter again, murmuring here and there a word. Angry tulips with you, darling man-flower, punish your cactus if you don't please poor forget-me-not. How I long violets to hear roses when we soon anemone meet all naughty night-stock wife Martha's perfume. Having read it all, he took it from the newspaper and put it back in his side-pocket. Weak joy opened his lips, changed since the first letter. Wonder did she wrote it herself, doing the indignant. A girl of good family like me, respectable character, could meet one Sunday after the rosary. Thank you, not having any. Usual love scrimmage. 
then running round corner, bad as a row with Molly. Cigar has a cooling effect, narcotic. Go further next time. Naughty boy. Punish. Afraid of words, of course. Brutal, why not? Try it anyhow. A bit at a time. Fingering still the letter in his pocket, he drew the pin out of it. Common pin, eh? He threw it on the road, out of her clothes somewhere, pinned together. Queer the number of pins they always have. No roses without thorns. Flat Dublin voices bawled in his head. Those two sluts that night in the coombe, linked together in the rain. Oh, Mary lost the pin of her drawers. She didn't know what to do, to keep it up, to keep it up. It? Them. Such a bad headache. Has her roses, probably. We're sitting all day typing. I focus bad for stomach nerves. What perfume does your wife use? Now, could you make out a thing like that? To keep it up. Martha. Mary. I saw that picture somewhere. I forget now. Old master or faked for money. He is sitting in their house talking mysterious. Also the two sluts in the coom would listen. To keep it up. Nice kind of evening feeling. No more wandering about. Just loll there. Quiet dusk. Let everything rip. Forget. Tell about places you've been. Strange customs. The other one jar on her head was getting the supper, fruit, olives, lovely cool water out of a well, stone cold like the hole in the wall at Ashtown. Must carry a paper goblet next time I go to the trotting matches. She listens with big, dark, soft eyes. Tell her, more and more, all, then a sigh, silence, long, long, long rest. Going under the railway arch, he took out the envelope, tore it swiftly in shreds, and scattered them towards the road. The shreds fluttered away, sank in the dank air, a white flutter, then all sank. Henry Flower. You could tear up a check for a hundred pounds in the same way. Simple bit of paper. Lord Ivy once cashed a seven-figure check for a million in the Bank of Ireland. Shows you the money to be made out of porter. Still, the other brother, Lord Ardelon, has to change his shirt four times a day, they say. Skin breeds lice or vermin. A million pounds. Wait a moment. Two pence a pint, four pence a quart, eight pence a gallon of porter. No, one and four pence a gallon of porter. One and four into twenty, fifteen about... Yes, exactly. Fifteen millions of barrels of porter. What am I saying? Barrels, gallons, about a million barrels all the same. An incoming train clanked heavily above his head, coach after coach. Barrels bumped in his head. Dull porter slopped and churned inside. The bungholes sprang open and a huge dull flood leaked out, flowing together, winding through mud flats all over the level land, a lazy, pooling swirl of liquor bearing along wide-leaved flowers of its froth. He had reached the open back door of All Hallows. Stepping into the porch, he doffed his hat, 
took the card from his pocket and tucked it again behind the leather headband. Damn it! I might have tried to work McCoy for a pass to Mullingar. Same note as on the door. Sermon by the very Reverend John Conmee, S.J., on St. Peter Claver, S.J., and the African Mission. Prayers for the conversion of Gladstone they had, too, when he was almost unconscious. The Protestants are the same. Convert Dr. William J. Walsh, D.D., to the true religion. Save China's millions. Wonder how they explain it to the heathen Chinese. Prefer an ounce of opium. Celestials. Rank heresy for them. Buddha, their god, lying on his side in the museum, taking it easy with his hand under his cheek. Jaw sticks burning. Not like Ecce Homo. Crown of thorns and cross. Clever idea, Saint Patrick the Shamrock. Chopsticks? Con me. Martin Cunningham knows him. Distinguished-looking. Sorry I didn't work him about getting Molly into the choir instead of that Father Farley who looked a fool but wasn't. They're taught that. He's not going out in bluey specks with the sweat rolling off him to baptize blacks, is he? The glasses would take their fancy flashing. Like to see them sitting round in a ring with blub lips entranced listening still life lap it up like milk i suppose cold smell of sacred stone called him he trod the worn steps pushed the swing door and entered softly by the rear something going on some sodality pity so empty nice discreet place to be next some girl who is my neighbor jammed by the hour to slow music that woman at midnight mass Seventh heaven. Women knelt in the benches with crimson halters round their necks, heads bowed. A batch knelt at the altar rails. The priest went along by them, murmuring, holding the thing in his hands. He stopped at each, took out a communion, shook a drop or two. Are they in water? Off it and put it neatly into her mouth. Her hat and head sank. Then the next one, her hat sank at once then the next one a small old woman the priest bent down to put it into her mouth murmuring all the time latin the next one shut your eyes and open your mouth what corpus body corpse good idea the latin stupefies them first hospice for the dying they don't seem to chew it only swallow it down rum idea eating bits of a corpse why, the cannibals cotton to it. He stood aside, watching their blind masks pass down the aisle one by one and seek their places. He approached a bench and seated himself in its corner, nursing his hat and newspaper. These pots we have to wear. We ought to have hats modeled on our heads. They were about him here and there, with heads still bowed in their crimson halters, waiting for it to melt in their stomachs something like those matzo. It's that sort of bread, unleavened shoe bread. Look at them. Now I bet it makes them feel happy, lollipop. It does, yes. Bread of angels, it's called. There's a big idea behind it, kind of kingdom of God is within you feel. First communicants, 
hokey-pokey penny-a-lump, then feel all like one family party, same in the theatre, all in the same swim. They do, I'm sure of that, not so lonely in our confraternity. Then come out a bit spreeish, let off steam. Thing is, if you really believe in it, Lourdes cure, waters of oblivion and the knock apparition, statues bleeding, old fellow asleep near the confession box, hence those snores, blind faith, safe in the arms of kingdom come, lulls all pain, wake this time next year. He saw the priest stow the communion cup away, well in, and kneel an instant before it, showing a large grey boot-sole from under the lace affair he had on. Suppose he lost the pin of his. He wouldn't know what to do to. Bald spot behind, letters on his back. I-N-R-I? No. I-H-S. Molly told me one time I asked her, I have sinned. Or no. I have suffered, it is. And the other one? Iron nails ran in. Meet one Sunday after the rosary. Do not deny my request. Turn up with a veil and black bag. Dusk and the light behind her. She might be here with a ribbon round her neck and do the other thing all the same on the sly. Their character. That fellow that turned Queen's evidence on the Invincibles he used to receive the... Carey was his name, the communion every morning. This very church, Peter Carey, yes. No, Peter Claver, I'm thinking of. Dennis Carey. And just imagine that, wife and six children at home, and plotting that murder all the time. Those craw-thumpers. Now that's a good name for them. There's always something shifty-looking about them. They're not straight men of business, either. Oh, no, she's not here. The flower. No, no. By the way, did I tear up that envelope? Yes, under the bridge. The priest was rinsing out the chalice. Then he tossed off the dregs smartly. Wine makes it more aristocratic than, for example, if he drank what they used to, Guinness's Porter or some temperance beverage, Wheatley's Dublin Hop Bitters or Cantrell and Cochrane's Ginger Ale Aromatic. Doesn't give them any of it, shoe wine. Only the other. Cold comfort. Pious fraud, but quite right. Otherwise they'd have one old boozer worse than another coming along, cadging for a drink. Queer the whole atmosphere of the... Quite right, perfectly right, that is. Mr. Bloom looked back towards the choir. Not going to be any music. Pity. Who has the organ here, I wonder? Old Glynn, he knew how to make that instrument talk. The vibrato. Fifty pounds a year, they say, he had in Gardiner Street. Molly was in fine voice that day. The stabat matter of Rossini. Father Bernard Vaughan's sermon first. Christ or Pilate? Christ, but don't keep us all night over it. Music they wanted. Foot drill stopped. Could hear pin drop. I told her to pitch her voice against that corner. I could feel the thrill in the air, the full, the people looking up. Qui est homo? Some of that old sacred music, splendid. Mercadante. Seven last words. Mozart's twelfth mass, Gloria in that. Those old 
Pope's keen on music, on art and statues and pictures of all kinds. Palestrina, for example, too. They had a gay old time while it lasted. Healthy, too, chanting regular hours, then brew liquors, Benedictine, green chartreuse. Still, having eunuchs in their choir, that was coming it a bit thick. What kind of voice is it? Must be curious to hear after their own strong basses. Connoisseurs. Suppose they wouldn't feel anything after all. Kind of a placid, no worry. Fall into flesh, don't they? Gluttons. Tall, long legs. Who knows? Eunuch. One way out of it. He saw the priest bend down and kiss the altar and then face about and bless all the people. All crossed themselves and stood up. Mr. Bloom glanced about him and then stood up, looking over the risen hats. Stand up at the gospel, of course. Then all settled down on their knees again, and he sat back quietly in his bench. The priest came down from the altar, holding the thing out from him, and he and the mass boy answered each other in Latin. Then the priest knelt down and began to read off a card. O oh God, our refuge and our strength. Mr. Bloom put his face forward to catch the words. English, throw them a bone. I remember slightly. How long since your last mass? Glorious and immaculate virgin. Joseph, her spouse. Peter and Paul. More interesting if you understood what it was all about. Wonderful organization clearly goes like clockwork. Confession. Everyone wants to. Then I will tell you all. Penance. Punish me, please. Great weapon in their hands. More than doctor or solicitor. Woman dying to. And I... And did you cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha? And why did you? Look down at her ring to find an excuse. Whispering gallery walls have ears. Husband learned his surprise. God's little joke. Then out she comes. Repentance. Skin deep. Lovely shame. Pray at an altar. Hail Mary and holy Mary. Flowers, incense, candles melting. Hide her blushes. Salvation Army blatant imitation. Reformed prostitute will address the meeting. How I found the Lord. Square-headed chaps, those must be in Rome. They work the whole show. And don't they rake in the money, too? Bequests, also, to the P.P. for the time being in his absolute discretion. Masses for the repose of my soul to be said publicly with open doors, monasteries, and convents. The priest in that fermana will case in the witness-box. No brow-beating him. He had his answer pat for everything. Liberty and exaltation of our Holy Mother, the Church. The doctors of the Church. They mapped out the whole theology of it. The priest prayed. Blessed Michael, Archangel, defend us in the hour of conflict. Be our safeguard against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God restrain him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God thrust Satan down to hell, and with him those other wicked spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. The priest and the mass-boy stood up and walked off. All over. 
The women remained behind Thanksgiving. Better be shoving along, brother Buzz. Come round with the plate, perhaps. Pay your Easter duty. He stood up. Hello. Were those two buttons of my waistcoat open all the time? Women enjoy it, never tell you. But we... Excuse, miss, there's a... Just a... Fluff. With her skirt behind. Placket unhooked. Glimpses of the moon. Annoyed if you don't. Why didn't you tell me before? Still, like you, better untidy. Good job it wasn't farther south. He passed discreetly, buttoning. Down the aisle and out through the main door into the light. He stood a moment, unseeing by the cold black marble bowl, while before him and behind two worshippers dipped furtive hands in the low tide of holy water. Trams. A car of Prescott's dye works. A widow in her weeds. Notice because I'm in mourning myself. He covered himself. How goes the time? Quarter past. Time enough yet. Better get that lotion made up. Where is this? Ah, yes, the last time. Swenny's in Lincoln Place. Chemists rarely move. They are green and gold beacon jars too heavy to stir. Hamilton Long's founded in the year of the flood. Huguenot churchyard near there. Visit some day. He walked southward along Westland Row, but the recipe is in the other trousers. Oh, and I forgot that latch-key, too. Bore this funeral affair. Oh, well, poor fellow, it's not his fault. When was it I got it made up last? Wait. I changed a sovereign, I remember. First of the month it must have been, or the second. Oh, he can look it up in the prescriptions book. The chemist turned back page after page. Sandy, shriveled smell he seems to have. Shrunken skull and old. Quest for the philosopher's stone. The alchemist's. Drugs age you after mental excitement. Lethargy, then. Why? Reaction. A lifetime in a night. Gradually changes your character. Living all the day among herbs, ointments, disinfectants. All his alabaster, lily pots, mortar and pestle. Ac dist fol lor tevirid. Smell almost cure you like the dentist's doorbell. Dr. Whack. He ought to physic himself a bit. Electuary or emulsion. The first fellow that picked an herb to cure himself had a bit of pluck. Simples. Want to be careful. Enough stuff here to chloroform you. Test. Turns blue litmus paper red. Chloroform. Overdose of laudanum. Sleeping draughts. Love filters. Paragoric poppy syrup. Bad for cough. Clogs the pores of the phlegm. Poisons the only cures. Remedy where you least expect it. Clever of nature. About a fortnight ago, sir. Yes, Mr. Bloom said. He waited by the counter, inhaling slowly the keen reek of drugs, the dusty dry smell of sponges and loofahs, a lot of time taken up telling your aches and pains. Sweet almond oil and tincture of benzoin, Mr. Bloom said, and then orange flower water. It certainly did make her skin so delicate white like wax. 
And white wax also, he said. Brings out the darkness of her eyes. Looking at me, the sheet up to her eyes. Spanish, smelling herself, when I was fixing the links in my cuffs. Those homely recipes are often the best. Strawberries for the teeth, nettles and rainwater. Oatmeal, they say, steeped in buttermilk. Skin food. One of the old queen's sons, the Duke of Albany, was it? Had only one skin. Leopold, yes. Three we have. Warts, bunions and pimples to make it worse. But you want a perfume, too. What perfume does your... Peau d'Espagne. That orange flower water so fresh. Nice smell these soaps have. Pure curd soap. Time to get a bath round the corner. Hammam, Turkish, massage. Dirt gets rolled up in your navel. Nicer if a nice girl did it. Also, I think I... Yes, I do it in the bath. Curious longing I. Water to water. Combine business with pleasure. Pity no time for massage. Feel fresh then all the day. Funeral be rather glum. Yes, sir, the chemist said. That was two and nine. Have you brought a bottle? No, Mr. Bloom said. Make it up, please. I'll call later in the day and I'll take one of these soaps. How much are they? Four pence, sir. Mr. Bloom raised a cake to his nostrils. Sweet, lemony wax. I'll take this one, he said. That makes three and a penny. Yes, sir, the chemist said. You can pay all together, sir, when you come back. Good, Mr. Bloom said. He strolled out of the shop, the newspaper baton under his armpit, the cool, wrappered soap in his left hand. At his armpit, Bantam Lyon's voice and hand said, Hello, Bloom. What's the best news? Is that today's? Show us a minute. Shaved off his mustache again by Jove, long, cold upper lip, to look younger. He does look balmy younger than I am. Bantam Lyon's yellow, black-nailed fingers unrolled the baton. Once a wash, too. Took off the rough dirt. Good morning. Have you used Pear's soap? Dandruff on the shoulders. Scalp wants oiling. I want to see about that French horse that's running today, Bantam Lyon said. Where the bugger is it? He rustled the pleated pages, jerking his chin on his high collar. Barber's itch. Tight collar, he'll lose his hair. Better leave him the paper and get shut of him. You can keep it, Mr. Bloom said. Ascot, gold cup, uh, wait, Bantam Lyons muttered. Half a mo, uh, maximum the second. I was going to throw it away, Mr. Bloom said. Bantam Lyons raised his eyes suddenly and leered weakly. What's that? His sharp voice said. I say you can keep it, Mr. Bloom answered. I was going to throw it away that moment. Bantam Lyons doubted an instant, leering, then thrust the outspread sheets back on Mr. Bloom's arms. I'll risk it, he said. Here, thanks. He sped off towards Conway's corner. Godspeed, scut. Mr. Bloom folded the sheets again to a neat square and lodged the soap in it, smiling. Silly lips of that chap. Betting. Regular hotbed of it lately. Messenger boys stealing out to put on sixpence. Raffle for large, tender turkey. Your Christmas dinner for threepence. Jack Fleming embezzling to gamble, then smuggled off to America. 
Keeps a hotel now. They never come back. Flesh pots of Egypt. He walked cheerfully towards the mosque of the baths. Remind you of a mosque? Red baked bricks, the minarets? College sports today, I see. He eyed the horseshoe poster over the gate of College Park. Cyclist doubled up like a cod in a pot. Damn bad ad. Now, if they had made it round like a wheel, then the spokes, sports, 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 and the hub a big college. Something to catch the eye. There's Hornblower standing at the porter's lodge. Keep him on hands. Might take a turn in there on the nod. How do you do, Mr. Hornblower? How do you do, sir? Heavenly weather, really. If life was always like that. Cricket weather. Sit around under sunshades. Over after over. Out. They can't play it here. Duck for six wickets. Still Captain Culler broke a window in the Kildare Street Club with a slog to square leg. Donnybrook fair more in their line. In the skulls we were a-cracking when McCarthy took the floor. Heat wave won't last. Always passing the stream of life, which in the stream of life we trace is dearer than them all. Enjoy a bath now. Clean trough of water. Cool enamel. The gentle, tepid stream. This is my body. He foresaw his pale body reclined in it, at full, naked, in a womb of warmth, oiled by scented, melting soap, softly laved. He saw his trunk and limbs rip-rippled over and sustained, buoyed lightly upward, lemon-yellow, his navel, bud of flesh, and saw the dark, tangled curls of his bush floating, floating hair of the stream around the limp father of thousands, a languid floating flower. End of chapter 5